Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together we are FNA Van Life. My voice did something a little bit weird there. <laughs> Like I wasn't oh, sure oh. if you were gonna say something. Like that. <laughs> this is the podcast where every week we bring you news from the nomadic community or interviews with other nomads so that you can know what it's really like to live life on the road. And today we got a special one for you. It's a banger. We do this one once a month. It's all about the news in van life, what's going on, and how we pick it apart. Yeah, and what people are talking about. I'm always amazed every month that I go to do this that there's so many articles written about van life and the van life movement and all these kind of things. And what was our statistic? That like 400,000 people living in vehicles across there the United States. It was something wild. It was something mind-blowing. It felt like it was a half a million people or so. Mm-hmm. Um, because I remember going, wow, that's crazy. I didn't think that would be even be like that many people. Yeah. You know? But then you go to a van life meetup and you're like, whoa, there's I've, a lot of people here. I've never met anybody here. <laughs> you know? Uh, so we do got to update you on where we are. If you hear some background noise or anything like that, we are in Brooklyn, New York. Yes, and it's been pretty quiet, but somehow, of course, right when we go to record the podcast, somebody starts, Boombox Bob shows up and starts playing his music nearby. And um, But yeah, so we're with Frankie's family for a little bit. We're slowly making our way to Ontario, but we've got some family commitments here that we've got to do before that. Um, but we are mooch docking kind of so we've got our camper out in the street and we're sleeping in here and then going into the house to hang out with everybody and use the bathroom and the shower and the kitchen yeah and i've been working my butt off with my brother trying to put in air conditioned units and get as much work done as possible um trying to put some more money in my pocket if you didn't know before i did this i was an air conditioning tech in new york city i did that for about a decade and um you know, it was it was good paying, so might as well make some money before we make it up to Canada. Mm-hmm. And in like one of the ways to make money on the road, that's something that we talked about. You know, before we even started van life, was that if need be, we could always, you know, use that trade and that skill that you have to pick up some work in whatever town we happen to be in. And we've kind of hit that need be spot. It seems like because uh, I'm working. <laughs> Other than the work that we do online. Yeah, I don't know if we, like, need you to be working, but while you're here and your brother's got stuff going on, you might as well be making some cash. Well, it's funny because then I get off that job and I come home to, like, have to do some type of editing, audio editing, whatever it is. But when I'm not there, I'm doing something like that or working on the rig. So it's nonstop. It's only been two days. It's nonstop. <laughs> It's only been two days, but for the week that we'll be here, I'll be doing something every single day. Almost every day, yeah. yeah. Tomorrow will be a nice break, but we're definitely appreciative, Paco and I, that you're earning some extra cash. It's always nice to make money on the road, cash money, so you can just, uh, you know, buy the groceries and do things like that and maybe have a little fun with the money and, you know, make some smart choices. Yeah. (laughs) 
I think the smart choices is the part that's going to happen. <laughs> hey, man, it never hurts to be wise with your money. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that it'll be smart to collect this money, save it, put it on the side for something, repairs, whatever it is. The van build that we're doing right now, um, you know, there's, there's a lot going on. So it just feels like that everything's moving so fast and also so slow at the same time. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like, too, this van build has um, hit our pocketbook a little bit harder than we thought that it would. We were expecting, you know, we bought an older camper for a pretty good price, we thought. Um, but then, you know, the deeper that we get into this renovation and the longer that we're in it, um, the more pressure we put on the rig, the more conditions that the rig is going through, the more time that we're spending in here. The um, more we realize that uh, there's a lot more work that needs to be done than what we set out for. Yeah, we thought it was just going to be a quick, like, aesthetic flip, um, but it's been much more than that. If you guys uh, remember, we've swapped out the whole engine. There's still some components for the engine and the, well, not the engine itself, but the stuff around the engine that has to be replaced. Just between the tow and the engine, you're talking like nine grand. Yeah, we basically like doubled the cost of the vehicle in like the first week of yeah. being in it. But it has a brand new engine in it and it has a four-year <laughs> warranty. So if anything happens to that engine, at least it has a warranty on it. Yeah, whereas the original engine did not have a warranty, but we paid a lot of money and time for that engine warranty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so anyways, we're hoping that when we get to Canada, we'll be able to start tackling the more aesthetic stuff. We've done one little project here, which we're actually sitting at right now to record the podcast, which is a little conversation area, which I'm digging. How are you? Are you comfy? Yeah, I'm super comfy. I have my legs up and, you know, hanging out. Got this little cute table with my beautiful wife, you know, <laughs> that I could see. I love that about it. So... Yeah, I think I think this area actually came out really nice. Yeah, so, you know, one project at a time, and maybe this summer you'll be able to rent the van out from us in Ontario. That'd be dope. That would be dope. We hope you guys come through. <laughs> Check it out. Try it out. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into this first article here. Um, we were talking about money just a second ago, and that's what this article is about. Um, so this is from Business Insider. Insider loves to write articles about van life. It says, I left a high-rise apartment to live in a van. It's not that much cheaper, but I've saved $70,000 over three years and won't ever go back to a traditional home. Whoa, wait a second, wait a second. Did they say that it's not that much cheaper than a high-rise and they saved seventy grand in three years? That seems like that's a lot of money. If you want to hear our full breakdown of all of the van life news completely ad-free, come and join our Patreon community. Right now, we have a special bonus until May 25th. You can get a complete mega sticker pack with the brand new Paco and brand new FNA Van Life logo with whatever level of Patreon you sign up with. That means not only do you get this awesome podcast completely ad free, but you also get some sweet FNA swag in the mail. Check the link down below and join today. This next article is by Gear Junkie, and it's all about how the public library is your best friend. This is a van life hack that took us at least a year to figure out. Yeah, and like to get comfortable with even too. Yeah, and I don't know, somebody mentioned it to us in like an Instagram DM or something, and I was like, oh my god, that's genius. I think one of the reasons why we probably didn't think about doing it as often was because of the dog. 
Well, maybe, and I just don't think that we were library goers in our life before. Well, for that in the first year, we were like traveling so hard and so fast, we weren't thinking about a library. Right. Like we were doing all the snowboard, snowboarding all those different mountains, 71 mountains in one season, three months time. You're not thinking about stopping at a library to study or do work. No. Yeah. It might have helped sometimes with like uploading or getting Wi-Fi or something like that. Maybe if we could have parked outside of it and like slept. Yeah. We've never slept outside of a library, but we've definitely gone in and used the facilities. So let's talk about what they have to offer. So this article calls public libraries the promised lands. They offer the basics, Wi-Fi, clean bathrooms, a quiet place to work, a safe place to park for the day, computers, and printing resources, all for free. Mm -hmm. So rather than going to a coffee shop, which I think was kind of our default in the beginning, but at a coffee shop, you're almost like inclined to have to buy something. Yes. And I think that one thing we should have thought about is maybe like on the rainy days, the public library would have been like the perfect place to be. Mm -hmm. Because like you can't really be at the park, you know, because sometimes you have like good parking and sometimes they have outlets there at the park and everything. Um, in a lot of big cities now, there's like Wi-Fi kind of everywhere. So you can like pick it up at the park. But, or you don't need Wi-Fi if you're in the States because you have good cell service and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um so I think that's probably some of the reasons why we would bounce around it now. But the like, yeah, we when we did go to libraries, they were excellent. And to your point, on the rainy days, the coffee shops are almost the worst place to be because if you get stuck in there for many hours, it's not just the coffee. Then you gotta buy the avocado toast. Then you gotta get the smoothie. Then it's like busy, and you're like, oh, like am I taking the table from somebody? Yeah, if you're taking the table from somebody, then you feel like you have to purchase things. And right. then also when you're in a facility like that where it's a business where they're making money, you you feel that way. So no matter what, you're going to be spending money if you're going to like coffee shops or any type of like cafe, uh, you know, that allows you to be in there to work with your, with a, you know, work off their Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. So this is interesting. Oh, also in terms of cafes, I mean, not that all library, not that all libraries guarantee good Wi-Fi, but we've definitely been to some cafes or coffee shops thinking and like Googling like coffee shop with Wi-Fi. And choosing one based on that. And then you go and their Wi-Fi is terrible. Yeah, that's the worst. And then you've like maybe already bought the coffee and then yep. you set all your stuff up and then you're sitting there and you pull the Wi-Fi up and it's like one megabyte a second. I'll tell you like... what, that coffee better be good. <laughs> or whatever else it is. All right, so this quote right here might explain why it took us so long to think about the library. The demographic that is doing van life are most likely between 25 and 40, said Dottie, adult service librarian at the Denver Public Library. And that's the age group that has the sharpest drop-off in library usage. It's an mm. age group that libraries are always trying to engage. Mm. So libraries get young kids, and then because they get the young kids, they get the, the parents. The parents. Mm -hmm. And then libraries also, I think, get more like senior citizens because it's a free resource, it's a community thing. Yeah. So, but, like, our demographic would be the people who, like, don't, quote-unquote, need the library. Ah, uh, interesting. So maybe it sounds like to me that they need to promote to van lifers. They're like, come on in. Just to, like, get the funding that they need. Who knows? Yeah. I wonder how it works. Like, the more people that go to the library, they keep track of that. Uh -huh. and then, you know. I think so. They get more funding based on how many people come in. 
Okay, so it's not just books, but they do have a lot of stuff online. So you can get books, audiobooks, movies, and music from many library apps. So I actually used to have the New York City Public Library app, and I would use that to download Kindle books. Um, you could get audiobooks. We listened to a couple audiobooks from that. The player was kind of annoying, I remember. Like, yeah. it might have gotten better since then. Uh -huh. But it would, like, whenever you would pause it and leave it for a bit and come back, it wouldn't come back to the same spot. So then you'd have to, like, figure out where you were in your book. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But anyways, I'm sure the apps have progressed since then. And so you just need to get a library card. You could probably do it anywhere and then get a library app and then be able to get all these spaces. The next thing that libraries have that I didn't really think about are called maker spaces. Okay. And so this might not be every single library. Um, What's but a maker space? A maker space is open to the public, uh, regardless if you have a library card or not. And it has services like Adobe Suite, recording studios, camera equipment, and more. Huh. They also sometimes have tool lending libraries. So, um, a bike tube to get your thing going, or like a drill, or a basic jigsaw. Some libraries will actually rent them out. So you could like go there to build your rig? Yeah, so it says the LA Public Library has an extensive tool list, and a not-for-profit... What about a chop saw? Well, it might be on their extensive tool list. Um, but yeah, so you could literally maybe see if your local library has tools that you can loan out. Huh. Because that would be super handy, like, especially if you're building a van and there's, like, one, you know, one random job that you need this one specific tool for that you may or may not ever need that tool for again, maybe the library has it. Yeah, that'd be dope. I didn't even know that they did that. Right? Me neither. Is that every library? No, definitely not. Okay. It'd probably, like, bigger city libraries or, like, so, I don't know, you'd have to do your research. So definitely check, like, you know, your public library and see if they have these things available first. Maybe call them up before you head out. Yeah, and if you're traveling, I mean, you could always, like, whatever city that you go into, go check out the library and see what services they offer. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, our dog's going wild. There's a motorcycle outside, it sounds like. <laughs> It's New York, baby. New York, New York. Yeah. Um, some libraries also have park passes and maps. So you can use your library card to get access to the great outdoors. Colorado, California, and Washington have a variety of park pass systems where you can check out a state park pass and information and materials and use that. So you don't actually have to buy the park pass. You can just borrow it from the library. Huh. That's that's freaking awesome. That's <laughs> F and A. That's F and A, baby. I, I mean, it sounds like to me that like this is there's a lot of perks to go into the public library. Mm-hmm. And I think for us, the days that we did spend at the public library, like obviously we work online, and so you know we're needing the internet. We're needing to hook our computers up to like a power source. That was always great. So we could just plug in. So if, it, like you said, it's a rainy day mm -hmm. and your solar's not cranking, you can plug in. And then usually what we would do is for lunch or whatever, I would go back to the van, make, make lunch, lunch, 
and then come in and then be like, hey, Frank, go to the van and eat your lunch so that we didn't even have to take our computers down or away. And then we could both just kind of like work all day yep. and then eat the food that we already have. It's definitely a budget saver. Yeah, we would probably work for about an hour and then one of us would go out and check on Paco and maybe take him out for a little walk and then get back to work. And then the other one would go out, you know, we'd take turns making sure that he gets the, the loving and the care that he needs as well. Um, yeah, so I, we love the public library. I think this is a great article. Once again, that, I think I feel like that's two in a row. This normally doesn't happen. All right. Let's see if electric can be three for three. Ooh. This is an exclusive. Ooh, it sounds wild. <laughs> Ford E-Transit gets 186 mile option. Van lifers rejoice. I, I'm not rejoicing for that. How Why many did you not? say? 100 what? 186. Yeah, 186. Actually, that's not terrible. Because normally they're about 100. But I want to see like 300. I want to see 280 at least. I need 100 more miles to be happy. Yeah. Personally. So originally it was only 126 miles. Mm -hmm. So they've upgraded it to 186. So how many more is that? 60 more miles? Yeah, 60 more miles. And that depends on... Like, the weight of the vehicle as well, I bet. Yeah, or so that's probably just it. empty. Yeah, and how you're driving it. Yeah. So, like, would it make a difference, city versus highway, like it, it does for a gasoline car? I, th I think car? it would, because you're stopping and going, stopping and going, where you would just keep going on the highway. It might be the same or similar, too. Yeah, so I think my big fear, so our tanks in basically all of our vehicles got us at least 300 miles. 300 plus miles. Yeah. And so with 300 plus miles, especially if you're doing a full cross-country trip, you know, 300 miles goes by really quickly. Our first one used to get us about 500 miles. Really? I don't remember that. Yeah, it's diesel. Yeah. It was like 21 miles to the gallon. So I think the problem with 186 miles is that then you're stopping more frequently, and then how long does it take to get a full charge again? Yeah, you don't know. I'm guessing fast charge, two hours at least. Yeah, so this says it will include an AC faster charger at 19.2 kilowatts, enabling faster charging from the 80-amp charge station or other charge capable for delivering enough juice. Mm -hmm. With about 100 kilowatts of battery, that means it can take five hours to charge from zero to 100. Yeah, that's a long wait. I would say that you... Could you sleep at those stations? I don't know. Like I'm and guessing that once you're done, you have to move. Well, that's usually why people have their electric cars at their homes, uh -huh. because then you just you come home after work or whatever, plug the van in and then go to sleep. And then you wake up the next morning and it's fully charged. If it did come with a kit that like allowed you to connect your solar panels into it and then like you could like trickle charge, you know, when you're stationary, then you could like camp in a spot for two weeks or whatever. And then it's sunshine the whole time. And then you could leave with a full battery. Yeah, I mean, that would be great. Or even the ability to, like, recharge your battery while you're driving somehow. Yeah. Like, if the alternator is charging a secondary battery while your first there's battery. there's alternator in it. I don't know. It doesn't seem like they would put something like that in it. I don't know how technology yeah. works. I don't know either. <laughs> it's all a guess for me right now. Right. But so, I think that it would just not be feasible. Because then, here's the question, too. If you're in the middle of nowhere, like we have been many, many times, is there even going to be a charging station? 
some some state parks do have it, and maybe even some national parks have charging stations. And I would think that there would be some stations like around the country in those rural areas, because people in those rural areas do have some electric cars, but they're fewer and far between for sure. They're more in the big cities. You're looking up like where you might find them. Well, there's I'm definitely just, a map for it. I'm thinking that you would have to basically know where these things are at all times. I'm sure that your vehicle probably comes with some type of like where a charge station is. Yeah, maybe. Also, this article is kind of ridiculous because it says van lifers rejoice in the title, and then it actually doesn't talk about van lifers anywhere else in the <laughs> article. Clickbait. It literally, I just, that's what I was doing. I was trying to find the word van life on this page because I'm like, okay, so it keeps talking about fleet vehicles and some fleets have light duty vehicles and some fleets require. Do you know what fleet is? Fleet is commercial. Air conditioning companies, electrical companies. Amazon delivery vehicles. Amazon delivery, all those things. So van lifers are not rejoicing about this. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's a lie in the title. It, when you, you want to go into bed? You want to go into bed? So, unfortunately, we might have to pull back on the fireworks display and save the celebration for later. There's no f- grand finale for this one, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the grand finale will probably come in a couple of years, maybe five years from now or so, or three years or now, you know, or something like that, when they are able to probably build a battery bank that isn't extra heavy and uh, th- it doesn't take up, like, the whole entire vehicle. Because right now it's in the floor of the vehicle. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's how you build them. You build them, and, like, so it would be in, like, the middle of the floor. So, like, once again, another thing you'd have to be, like, really mindful of is, like, drilling through the floor. Uh, so you would have and, like, to... like, building your house on top of it. Correct. Well, building your house on top of it is not so bad. But the aspect of, you know, drilling into the floor in any type of way, you have to think about. Mm-hmm. So you definitely need to use the structure of the walls to uh to connect like your 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 vehicle together right your living well, space that sounds sketchy yeah so there is something called an ERV2 which they link to a video of okay and the ERV2 is a van with a questionable wrap on it. The interior is built by Winnebago. Mm, of course. It's a prototype. So it, it's something that they're working on right now. Um, discover the all-electrical zero-emissions ERV2 prototype. Let's see. Zero-emission RVing power to spare. No fossil fuels needed. Our proprietary ion blade lithium house batteries is the safest, most powerful, and compact system available today and enables up to seven days of boondocking. Up to seven days of boondocking? So you could boondock and run all your stuff off of their battery bank is what they're saying. Mm, but then would you have enough battery to drive? Simple three-in-one charging. Keep your options open. 
The three in one is a plug enables recharging from the house, campground, or a dedicated charging station with house system charging in as little as two hours and the chassis charging in as fast as 45 minutes. So the chassis charging would be like charging your car. Right. And you can charge it in 45 minutes. Interesting. And then your house, it would take up to two hours. Right. But it looks like it also has solar panels on the roof, so you would be trickle charging mm. as well. So this is the one little bit in it that does briefly mention our community. We've seen a lot of companies building interesting solutions on the e-transit, from school buses to RVs. Mm. To step away from fleet solutions for a moment, bigger batteries could definitely be of interest to the latter group to overlanders who move long distances in one day and park for a while at their next stop. So I think that's the biggest thing is that it's not actually good for overlanders because you can't drive a long distance in one day yeah. and then you have to stop to recharge your batteries. Well, I guess one of the questions is like, all right, so do so it has a 108 mile range is what I'm reading. Oh, but it says 186 miles. No, no. This one has... Oh, there, the RV. The RV has 108 miles. And once again, that goes to do with the fact of, you know, the weight inside of it and also using it for your house. Right. And, and 100 miles is not a lot of miles. No. That's like about... It's less than two hours of driving. So that's like a quick at, trip. At 60 miles an hour. Yeah. So at about 50, 45 to 50 miles an hour, you might get two hours in. I wonder if you can recharge the car batteries with an RV plug-in. Um, I think you can. You might be able to even run a generator. Mm, just what you wanted on your electric vehicle. A gasoline generator. Oh, it says, uh, does it have one on board? It says, no. As a fully functional all-electrical emissions vehicle, the ERV has no need for an onboard fossil fuel power energy source. All the house systems are powered by the Ion Blade battery system, which provides the most powerful, most compact. So basically, they're just saying, like, because there's battery bank, they don't need it. But the thing is, is that they technically do to be able to, like, get you off grid, you know, for that seven days that they promised with having the driving miles. Yeah. I don't Otherwise, know. you're going to need a station to plug into. Right. And, like, you're not really getting off grid if you need a station to plug into because BLM doesn't have charging ports. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I mean, it, it sounds great. It sounds interesting. It's like something that I think that we all want to see in this community soon. And there are there are a couple people out there riding around in it. Um, but I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know how this could be a thing yet. I just don't think it suits our van life lifestyle. You know what I think we need to do? We need to find that couple that says they're the only couple in a fully electric RV being like a van and, and then have, them on, the have them on the podcast and ask them as many questions as possible about, you know, what are their limitations and be real, be real with us. Right. You know, cause that's what this, the show is. It's being real. We need the answers. F and A needs your answers now. <laughs> do you know their name? If not, uh, we'll ask you guys if you do know who we're talking about. I do not know their name. Send us a DM on Instagram at FNA Van Life and let us know who these folks are so that we can get them on the show. Or if you know anybody living in an electric vehicle, because clearly we are not experts on this subject. And maybe if you know somebody at Winnebago and you can get us into one of these bad boys, we would definitely be happy to test it out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it did say there was testers, 33 testers so far today. Oh. So you could get in and test it possibly. 
All right, now, where are we going to test it? Motor Biscuit wants to tell us the best states for van life or RV living. Frankie and I, we just updated our list. We've been to 43 states in the United States. That's and wild. I feel like we need to figure out which are the ones that we're missing so that we can knock those off and just say we've done them all. Um, but <laughs> They're kind of in the middle. Yeah. We've missed a lot in the middle. <laughs> I don't know if we've been to Arkansas. 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 I think that's your favorite state now. It is. I love the name. Yeah. You think I'm making fun of it, but I like it. All right, so these are the states that Motor Biscuit thinks are more accommodating to the nomadic lifestyle. And I think that we've been to all of them. So let me get your opinion, Frank. Number one on the list, Texas. Ooh, Texas. Texas, I feel like, has a strange place in my heart because we did buy our second van there, right? We, we did meet a, a beautiful soul in, in uh, Bonnie, right? She was such a sweetie. Let us camp out in front of her house, give us chicken and dumplings. She was so sweet. Um, yeah, I mean, Bart's from Texas, right? <laughs> uh, but but just like Texas, we really haven't had an opportunity to really like van life it there. I feel like my take on Texas is that the cities would probably be pretty easy to van life in. So like the bigger cities in Texas, because they're you know street like parking things like that. City Houston van life is easy if you like city van life. Mm-hmm. Um, we did... It was a, hard to find places to camp. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, wide open land in Texas. But, but it's, it's... It's private. It's private, and it's hard to know, like, can you stay here? We were able to stay at, like, a park, I remember. Yeah, and I can't even... We stayed in, like, a downtown parking lot one night, which was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just interesting. So I feel like they have, um, Brad has all the spots in Texas. Brad. We have to hit up Brad. Nomad Brad. Right. Yeah. I'm sure there are, I mean, there's so much land in Texas. Like there's gotta be lots of places to be able to do this, but I feel like for us, it wasn't like specifically that next on the list is Florida. Ooh, Florida. You know, obviously I lived there for a while. Um, we built our van there. Um, we have family there, so, and friends there, uh, but once again, a place that we really haven't van life that much, you know what I mean? Like when we're there, we spend time with friends and family. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Florida does have a lot of state parks. It does. And I mean, there's a big, huge RV community in Florida. Right. But would that be more like booking and staying at campsites versus boondocking. They have quite a few, like, boondocking spots. Because they, they have what they call, like, the water district. And, like, you could... Uh, you still have to um, re- reserve a spot, but there's normally spots available. And they're free? And they're free. Yeah. So, it's, like, it's kind of like BLM land or, like, uh, Bureau of Land Management or... Um, like national land, like uh, forestry land. It's kind of like that. But you have to pre-register. You just have to pre-register, yeah. So, I mean, it is a really good, you know, op- there's a lot of opportunities there. The problem is sometimes people book those in like six months in advance, and then they might be out. Right, or if it's a busy weekend, or yeah. it's a long weekend, or mm-hmm. something like that. 
you might not be able to get anything. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But there are always parks in Florida that they, there's nobody in them. Yeah. It just depends on which one you're picking. Yeah. I think Florida is generally pretty RV friendly uh-huh. in terms of like dump stations and things like that yeah. and campgrounds. It might be hard to park in the Florida Everglades. Well, it's a big swamp. It's a big swamp. Yeah. You might uh, need to cash in on your insurance. You also might wake up to like a big reptile in your car. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the reasons it states for... Uh, Texas, Florida, and the next one, South Dakota, where we haven't really spent any time. That's the one where they have um, the Mount Rushmore. Right, but we've never been. Uh, um, but we've, all th- only, we've been through the Badlands there. Mm. All three of the states have no income tax, accessible domicile residents, and favorable mail forwarding systems that make living on the road realistic. So when it'd be said, good. When you said mail forwarding, for some reason I thought of like men. <laughs> it's like what? You can send your men wherever you want. But yeah, so those states would be good for like your van life home base. So Florida is actually our van life home base mm-hmm. and it is very nice that there is no state income tax. It is a beautiful thing. Next up. Next up is California. Ooh, California we spent a lot of time in, um, from, like, snowboarding mountains to the Redwood Forest to the Goshi Waters. This land was made for you and me. Unless it's San Diego where they're kicking out all the van lifers. Which is crazy because San Diego was, like, the spot. It used to be the spot. Like, a lot of van lifers would get to San Diego and then just be like, yeah, I think I'm going to live here now. Yeah. And that might be one of the reasons why. Right. So I think city van life in California is harder. It also depends on what part of San Diego you're in. Sure. Because there are parts of San Diego that is still van life friendly um, or like knowing spots and stuff like that. I ain't giving up any of the spots. We have friends there and we won't be giving up any of the spots because we know that those friends rely on those spots. Yeah. Well, so, but that's the other thing is that there's some gatekeeping going on uh-huh. in San Diego because these are people who are there full time. They've been there for years and they are feeling this crunch of people not mm-hmm. wanting them there. And so they are protective of the spots that they know they can camp. I don't know so much as if it's the people that don't want them there or if they now have an excuse to like tow and give tickets and make more money towards the city. I don't know. I think it's like a little bit of column a, a little bit, bit of, of combi. Yeah, it's a little bit of both, I think. Yeah, but then they're, like, making rules about it. And I feel like the only way that, like, city governments go to the trouble of doing things Mm -hmm. is when people make a stink. Correct. It's not just, oh, let's make some more money on parking tickets. So I guess what we got to do is get to the root of why the people are making the stink. And is it because of the pandemic? I'm sure there's some bad apples. Bad apples. Is it because of just, you know... Whatever. Maybe the people that are making this thing are bad apples. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. it could be so many different things. Mm -hmm. But, like, I wonder how many people it took for them to, like, stop making this change. Right. But so San Diego aside, California does have a lot of really beautiful parks. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of beautiful hot springs. If you get out into the Sierras. Joshua Tree's great. You go out there, camp out, you'll be all good to go. You won't get kicked out of there. Um, obviously don't overstay your welcome. I think it's like 12 days you're allowed to be out there or something like that before you need to move on to a new spot that's at least X amount of miles away. 
Um, don't know exactly what that number is. That's why I'm not giving it to you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you could just check online and see what that number is and um, for that specific area. Okay. The next one is Virginia, which we haven't really spent any time in Virginia. Mm-hmm. But so California and Virginia have 91 federal parks and over 420 public beaches between wow. them. Wow. Which is great. The tricky thing that we forgot about California is that their gas is incredibly expensive. Oh, yeah. Way too expensive for gas there. Yeah. I mean, it's at least a dollar, if not three dollars more than everywhere else in the whole country. Yeah. And so I think the reason that they've listed these five states, Texas, Florida, South Dakota, California, Virginia, is because they all have pretty good climates. Mm. So more of like all year states where it would be a little bit more... Um, Florida feels like not so much an all-year state to me. Feels just like a winter. It's so hot. Feels like in a winter summer. state. I would so say be- California is way more of an all-year state than than Florida, and maybe even Texas might be in that ballpark if you get the higher elevations. But Texas can get really hot, and too. it can get cold. It snows there sometimes. Mm-hmm. Same for California, but there's like San Diego is kind of like a perfect climate kind of spot, like not too hot, not too cold type of thing. Yeah, for sure. I feel like if you're chasing 70 degrees and you want to be in perfect weather all the time, you're going to have to move. Yeah, you're going to be going state to state. I don't know if there's any state that you could just be like, okay, I could be here all year and be a thousand percent I was about to say Alaska, but that's not true. Oh my God. That's like the (laughs) whole opposite of true. Oh, I know a spot, but it's not in the States. Where is it? Uh, Guatemala. (laughs) <laughs> maybe that maybe the that rainy season Azul. oh yes the number one climate in the world oh uh, yeah definitely top three there you go it was like 80 degrees midday and then like 55 at night that, that was beautiful that was beautiful but you're gonna have to leave the country for that one yeah I mean I would suggest going to Mexico and like Guadalajara Guadalanto yeah and if you think like life is expensive here go down there it's really cheap <laughs> for for Americans and Canadians, at least. Yeah. Making American Canadian dollars. So, on the flip side, this article says that the restrictive states um, could be New York because the roads aren't very accessible. But I think the roads in New York State are very accessible. The roads in New York City Correct. might be more challenging. Correct, yes. 100%. So, that's a difference. Big difference. And number two... Uh, actually, living in a vehicle in New York City is probably the easiest place to live in a vehicle. If you want to do, like, city street parking, yeah. like Brooklyn. And just cross back and forth across the street where they have, like, alternative parking, you know? Alternate, alternating parking. Yeah. And then you just follow the signs, and that's it. There's no laws, I don't think, against dwelling in your vehicle in New York City. Because they want you to be housed. They want to sh- They want you to have shelter mm-hmm. over your head. Well, especially in the winter, they... You know, mm-hmm. better you off the streets and yep. living somewhere comfortable yep. than them having to think about you. Um, but yeah, so some things to consider. What is your favorite state for family? I don't, that's a tough one because, like, I really loved Idaho. I thought Idaho was like a hidden gem. Maybe I shouldn't be saying this on here. Maybe I should go to a different <laughs> state. You know what? I'm going to say <laughs> Oregon <laughs> just to keep everybody at Idaho. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I loved Oregon too. There's a lot of states that I really, truly, truly loved. Um, how about you? 
I was also going to say Idaho. Yeah. Because I feel like we were there kind of like between seasons. They do have some really good snowboarding and things like that, but we were there kind of in the fall. So, but it was really enjoyable. We did some biking, a lot of outdoor stuff. We found a lot of free, easy places to camp. And then we also found so many gorgeous hot springs to go explore, yeah, which is something I love. And gorgeous cities like that had, were like wrapped around lakes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and those were van life accessible too. Yeah, so. they were. There wasn't many spots to park in some of them, but there were spots like maybe 30 minutes away, you know, not too far from these areas. And then there would be like one spot where you could park for like three days max. Sure. You but know? then in the cities like Boise, we had no problem. No problem in Boise. Uh, and everybody was really friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, we ate a lot of potatoes. Yeah, we had a lot of potatoes. There was a lot of national parks that, um, if you go, or state parks, that if you go at a certain time of the year, it's no charge. Uh, that was really nice. Mm-hmm. And there's less people there, too, at that mm-hmm. point, so it's even nicer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Idaho was really high on our list. Totally. Yeah, we might move there one day. <laughs> I don't know. What do you mean? There's some weird politics going on over there right I'll now. kick him in the nuts. <laughs> okay. That's how Frank deals with all of his You know, I, the way I feel about politics is, like, they don't they don't care about us in the grand scheme of things. They only care about their own, you know, wants getting and re-elected. desires and getting reelected. So I say F the free world, you know? Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm turning into Eminem. <laughs> the next one is from Cincinnati Magazine. Van life has more perks than you think. Well, duh. That's why you're listening to this show. Because <laughs> yeah. you already know that van life is full of perks. Yeah, it is full of perks. I, I mean, I, I think it's the best lifestyle to live, you know, personally. Um, in the last three and a half years that we've been doing it, uh, it's been a blessing to us. I think it's been... A, we've been overjoyed we've been doing activities that we would never imagine like even my brother just asked me the other day like what was the best view you ever seen and i would have never been able to say you know watching a uh exploding volcano you know right in front of me uh standing on mountain tops in the middle of alaska that wouldn't have been accessible if we would have flew into anchorage you know what i'm saying yeah that's like, percent like, the only reason why these things became accessible to us is because of van life. So. Yeah. I mean, our whole life for the last three years <laughs> is only accessible because of van life. Yeah, it's wild. And there's no way that we would have been to, like, 99% of the places that we've been to mm-hmm. if it wasn't for van life. Okay. I mean, with it. So this is kind of about a company that outfits vehicles, I believe, out of Cincinnati, which is where this magazine is located. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of funny because, okay, so the couple who have started building these out said that they thought they'd be working mostly with millennials. Okay. Um, they are some, mm. but most of the people who are purchasing vehicles from them 40, are re- 50, retired. retirement-aged women. Yeah, oh, wow. And so that's actually, I mean, not necessarily women, but retirement age. When we talked to Brian from uh, Boulder Campervan, he was also saying that it's mostly older people because when you're buying a custom campervan from a builder, the price tag associated with it, I think, would get most of the millennials out. out. Yeah, because they don't have the well-paying job at the point of, like, you know, being able to buy a $200,000, $150,000 rig. Yeah. 
You know, or the finances for it. No. You know, because a lot of the time you have to come up with a lot of that cash. Yeah, a lot of banks don't want to finance you for these uh, van life projects. I, I mean, at least for the ones that aren't built by a specific company that gets like a like a Winnebago RV. Yeah. You know, if if you're getting one that's not RV related, it's kind of harder to get the financing for it. So I think that's like something to think about, like when you're building a rig too, is you might want to build it with the idea in mind. You're gonna be selling it to somebody who's at a retirement stage. What would what would be the difference? The difference is you have a bigger market to sell it. Oh, so like make your van more accessible. Correct. Make it more accessible. Make it a little bit wider. Make it more, you know, give them the creature comforts that they want, right? And then when you build something out like that, then you have a wider variety of people that would be interested in possibly buying your van. Right. Like even just something so simple as a microwave, even though we know that it's not practical, at least. Uh, for a lot of battery banks, you know, it, it's a creature comfort. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, okay, you could use this, but only when you're plugged in. Right. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, well, I, I got a microwave. A lot of RVs are like, hey, here's all these things, but you can only use them when you're plugged in. That's my point. So it's like you can upgrade your battery bank system to, you know, be able to utilize all these things. But at the same time, it's also like, think about these things before you start building. Right. All right, so let's get back to this couple. Uh, their company is called Elevation Road, and they are a camper van and tiny home company. Okay. And if you look at the photos in the article, all of the photos, except for one, mm-hmm. are of tiny homes mm. on basically trailer beds. Okay, so they're more like big homes that you park somewhere and leave. Right. So like a trailer park styled home. Right. So their homes are designed, I remember reading it here somewhere. So it's not van life. No. Like, I mean, we have to start to like really buckle down on this, guys. And I don't want to put anybody in a box or take anybody out of the van life thing. But like, like right now, technically, Alex and I are like truck bed camper slash RV life. Yeah. With the vehicle that we have right now. Like... We shouldn't be calling it van life at this point. We're already branded, though. We're branded as <laughs> FNA van life, but we can still be that because we've lived in two vans. And we're probably going to get another van. Yes. So the owners of these things that they're building can move them around on large trucks, using them as lake homes or part of tiny home communities. And then it says, despite their size, these tiny homes are incredibly functional. You think tiny, and then you think, oh, that's impossible. There's no way I could stay in a place like that. This thing is huge. <laughs> it's like... It's literally bigger than my apartment in New York when we lived here. And yours. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, okay, we're what coming... It, what is it, like 300 square feet? Yeah, it doesn't actually give the square footage, but, like, I don't know. How big is a, a trailer base? It's like a full-on Oh, that's a full-on house. It's like a 10-foot wide, 8 to 10-foot wide, like, 30-foot long house. Yeah. That's a beach bungalow. People are like, I can't believe how much we can fit inside of the van. Uh, No, no, no. That's not a van. That's not a van. It's got shingles. It literally looks like a house. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't look like a van or a recreational vehicle or... Anything I mean, even remotely it close. does have a trailer hitch. Sure, but that's not a van. That's a that's two wheels underneath a hitch. Right. And so honestly, 
I love these, and I feel like if it's we beautiful. had like a property to put something like this on, and it was like legal that you could have it there, and then like, but you have to think about like, okay, so say you want to do this tiny house thing. There's a lot of things that go into it. So you buy this thing, but then for it to be legal on the property, it, the area has to be zoned to allow it, and then you also have to figure out septic, and you have to figure out electrical. Well, what if I you have figure, to figure out, out water? What if I figure out a way? To dispose of my poop without it being through a septic. But then a lot of places, like this county or whatever, requires you to have septic. Mm. I wonder if you can make... Oh, I saw that guy that had, like, a um, a methane bag. Yes. You would put your feces in that. Yes. And then you'd create methane. Right. That was legal, no? Um, I don't know if that would count as your... Government approved feces storage system. Well, it's like, also providing natural gas. People want you to have a septic tank. Yeah, but like if you could actually reutilize it as a more energy efficient, like well kept, you know. Right, but I think you're pushing like a like a boulder up a mountain here because all of the city rules and regulations are based on certain things. So you would have to really look into that before you buy land or settle somewhere to make sure that you can do the things that you want to do. I don't know if you guys remember what I said earlier in this episode, but the politics, <laughs> you know what I say to that? <laughs> Frank's like going to put his house up wherever he wants F and then start a, getting, he's going to start getting citations from the city about his methane bag. Not if I have it in Alaska. Well, it depends on where you are in or Alaska. Or, like, really high up in Canada somewhere. Because even when we were talking to, oh, my gosh, what was his name? Jim. Mm. He lives in a house that's just outside of the Anchorage city limits. Mm -hmm. But if you're inside the Anchorage city limits, there's tons of oh, rules yeah. Yeah. that you have to follow. I wouldn't be in Anchorage. But then, even, like, the surrounding area, like, we were probably already an hour outside of Anchorage, and you're still in the Anchorage area. Mm -hmm. So you have to be, like further than that for them to gyms. not have rules. You know what? Let's call Jim. <laughs> I wish I had that guy's number. I would call you him. You do right have now. his number. Jim? No Grandpa Jim. Grandpa Kevin. No, I have Grandpa Kevin. That's different. Who's Jim? Jim was the old man that had all the Republican oh, stickers. Yeah. He was a riot, that guy. He wanted us to know that Sarah Palin is the hottest governor from the coolest state. Yes, he did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I should give uh, Grandpa Kevin a call. You should see how that guy's doing. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if he's heading up there for the summer. This guy took us on an amazing adventure when we were in Alaska, and we didn't know him from a hole in the wall. Yeah. I did talk to him for like three hours on the riverbed. Right. Before he invited us. You were very friendly with yeah. them. Yeah, but go um, on. So it's interesting. So there's no official size requirement for a structure to be deemed a tiny house, but that is not actually true uh -huh. because in certain counties, there is a minimum requirement of a home. Okay. So for a home to get built in certain areas, yeah, it has, it to, has be at to be at least 800 square feet. At least a certain amount of square feet mm -hmm. and have XYZ, like plumbing and blah, 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 and blah. And you have to look up your local reg regulations for what that is for your zone. Right. And maybe we're going to be getting into that when we get into Ontario and like seeing if we can build something on my sister's land potentially and like what that would look like and what are the rules mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Because you really don't want to end up in a situation where you've put 
a lot of time and money and energy into something, and then the government comes around and tells you you have to pull it all down. And this doesn't mean it's the end of van life for us. I want you guys to know that. No, definitely not. But we need somewhere that we can build this next van. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, if we're going to be doing it in Canada, we're going to need a space that is potentially heated. Because if it goes into the <laughs> potentially? winter... If it goes potentially the, heated, I say potentially heated for the van, not for uh, I know ours. Oh, you mean heated. like a big garage? Yeah, like something that might keep us warm while we're doing it, possibly. Right. Because it gets cold. Yeah. Cold. It would be like working on the van in the streets of Brooklyn. Right. That also add about like three feet of snow. Yeah, we did that in all seasons in Brooklyn. But there, there was some snow sometimes, but not a ton. I will tell you what, one of the first things I'm going to be doing is putting a heater in that X-Rig. First thing. Yeah, just Get in the case. battery system, battery bank system in, get the heater in. Yeah. Well, I'm loving this tiny house stuff. I feel like the one van they built looks kind of ridiculous. Can I see it? Yeah, it's like two giant beds. And then a toilet, and then your front seat. I mean, to be realistic with you, it's kind of ugly. <laughs> Ouch. Their tiny homes are much cuter than that one little van yes, they agreed. built. But good for them. They're doing business, doing cool alternative things, and we love that here at FNA Van Life. I feel mm -hmm. like any kind of alternative living, um, any kind of choices outside the norm, definitely on brand for us. But I just feel like... A lot of these articles throw the word van life just to get more clicks. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of ruining it for us, the actual van lifers. Well, but it's interesting, though, because that just means that van life is popular. It and does. van life gets clicks. Yep. Yep. So an article just about a tiny house isn't as appealing as an article about van life. That's actually van life related. Right. Interesting. Food for thought. Food for thought. I need that food. You getting hungry? No, I need that food because, like, I want people to come and check out our stuff. <laughs> well, we thank you guys for checking out our stuff this week. If you want to hear the full version of this podcast, be sure to come on over to our Patreon where you get that and so much more bonus content from us. If you want to know, like, real-life updates on what's going on with us right now, Patreon is the spot you got to go. And we're actually writing a special bonus until May 25th. If you join our Patreon at any level, we've got a brand-new pocket. Pocker. Yeah. Good old Pocker. Paco sticker and a van sticker that are both brand new designs that we'll send out to everybody if you join before May 25. Yeah, and I do want to say if you don't know who Paco is, he's our beautiful Chihuahua mix. He's so sleepy and tired in front of us right now. We make exclusive stickers for him, so this will be a one-off once again. So make sure to join so you get your sticker right away. That's all the articles that we have for this month. We hope you have an FNA day. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life. All right, all that.